We're a pioneer church based in Loughborough in the UK. Our mission is to make disciples to establish heaven on earth. So I'm going to speak on faith today, which is exciting for me. It's something that, as Joe said, I've kind of got drawn out to me over the years. Um, something that um, I'm a little bit obsessed with the word, to be honest. Uh, I even married a, a woman with it in her name. <laughs> it wasn't a tick box. It was, it was honestly by accident, but... Um, so Hebrews 11 verse 1 says, faith is confidence that what we hope for, we will see. And it's assurance in what is unseen. And that's basically the definition of faith. I could put the mic down, to be honest, and walk off because that is, that is faith is confidence right there. Um, but I've always thought of faith as an analogy of a vehicle, so it's never the it's never the place you end up. It's always a movement. You're always heading somewhere, and it's always Jesus. Jesus is always where faith ends up. You know, Jesus was the living representation of God on the earth. And if you believe in the uh, book of the Bible, then you'll believe that all the things that he said and did, and all the miracles he did, and all the things he did in faith and showed and demonstrated to us, you'll believe that that's true. And that's what you've got to wrestle with, I guess. So Charles Spurgeon, who was a, you probably hear him every other Christian talks about this, he's a theologian, and he puts it like this. He says there's three things that are involved in faith. It's um, knowledge, belief, and trust. So right, for us to believe in something, we need to have the knowledge it exists, right? We need to know it, we need to, we need to understand it. For us to believe in something, then, it requires us to go, yeah, okay, I hear that knowledge, and I, I want to take that on board and live that. And then faith is the last bit, which involves trust, right? So we take all that on board, and then trust is the bloodline of that. It's what it looks like to act that out and live off that knowledge and belief. So I want to tell a story. So I, um, my, my granny is 81. She lives in Bath. I interviewed her this week. And uh, I've always imagined her as a woman of faith. Every time I speak to her, I hear uh, telling stories of faith and, and blah, blah, blah. And I, I've, I've rung her up and I thought, you know, I'm just going to get a bit of wisdom from her. So I asked her a couple of questions about what is faith? What does it look like? What have you experienced? And then and she told me this story, right? So, so go with me. So this is back, way back. So my dad's about this big, about four or five uh, so she was um, in a two-up, two-down with my uh, grandpa. Or we used to call him Grampy, but it was a two-up, two-down. So in those days, you just get two bedrooms and two rooms downstairs. She's crazy, right? But it happened, and it still exists. Um, so they had a text from some family that they knew, and they said, oh, can we stay at your house? We're coming for a wedding nearby. Uh, we need somewhere to stay for the Saturday night. Can you look after us? And it's a massive, it was a long drive. The roads aren't what they are now. And they said, look, we're going to need to be looked after. So my granny said, yep, of course, come in. And they went down to the uh, larder afterwards to see what food they had, and it was completely bare. They had a bit of flour, a few bits, a few dry pieces of food. And um, my granny turned to my, my grandpa, and she said, how are we going to feed these people? <laughs> where, where are they going to eat? Um, in those days, my, my grandpa was made redundant five times. So money was fairly tight, and it got to that last weekend every time, and they'd be scratching around for, for money to money to feed everyone, basically. So they had £2.50, or the equivalent of that in those days, to feed both themselves, 
this family and then live the next couple of days. Um, so anyway, my grandpa said to us, he said, trust in God, he will provide, have faith. So that's hard when your cupboards are empty. But anyway, that afternoon, this is what happens. So she gets a knock on the door, neighbor comes out, uh, goes, I've got, I've got all these uh, potatoes that are just growing today and they're ready to go. And all these vegetables, have these. So they had all this stuff. Didn't ask her for them, it just happened. A bit later on that day, family member drives by, goes, I've got all this bacon and tomatoes, can you have it? The family member never came back to that house and they never visited that house before. Just on that day, they happened to be driving by. Um, weird. And then another neighbour came by with some rhubarb and flour and stuff and said, can you do something with this? So she went, great. So everyone was fed Saturday night, great meal. They spent a £2.50 on a piece of brisket, which apparently was terrible, but it fed them. And then they went to bed that night and thought, how are we going to feed them tomorrow? Set them on their way. And they went, and Grandpa turned to my grandma again and said, have faith, he's done it once today, he'll do it again. Woke up in the morning, Granny walks out the front door to put the washing out, and there's this loaf of bread. Hot loaf, white, lovely loaf of bread in tissue paper, which apparently you couldn't buy in those days, apparently. So she ran out on the streets and was going, where's this bread come from? Asking all the neighbours, no one owned up. Uh, she asked the bakery on Monday, they didn't own up to it. You couldn't actually go to a food shop on a Sunday in those days, so uh, how, it, how it arrived there, it must have been home bread. Um, so the short story is, she said to me, Jack, this moment or this story provide an anchor for me for every future situation where I didn't really know what was coming next. Or I didn't know where my food was coming from, or maybe we short on cash or whatever. I always looked back to this moment as an anchor to say, God provided then, he'll provide now. He promised then, he'll provide now. And that's, that's faith, really, isn't it? It's trusting. It's relying on God. And sometimes we need those moments to anchor onto and say, it can happen again. I love this um, Corey Ten Boom, who uh, I won't even try and describe the storyline because I'm not experienced and I've not read the book, but she said, never be afraid to, tr afraid to trust an unknown future to an own God. Faith sees the invisible, believes the unbelievable, and receives the impossible. You know, faith isn't ignorant of the reality. It looks at that ladder that's empty. It's not ignorant of it. It looks at it and it goes, I can defy that. That's, that's faith. It's not ignorant of what's around us. It defies it. So Jared has got a slide for me. I'm going to try and keep this really simple, to be honest, because I think faith needs to be simple. So it's faith is confidence, this talk. So my hope is for everyone to go away that little bit more confident in God than they came in, right? Is that all right? So we've got these eight steps that I've, I've written down. And the reason for the staircase is this. So I asked God this week, what, what picture would you give me for faith? And he gave me this sort of spiral staircase. Not quite as grand as that, but effectively that. And he said, Jesus is stood at the top, right? He's looking down at you. He can see you. And we're all at different places on this staircase. So for some of us today, we're maybe towards the top and we're actually looking at Jesus and saying... Yeah, I see you. I've got confidence in you. I've got faith. Some of us, we're actually halfway up. And we're doing, I don't know if I'm going back down or if I'm going up. 
I don't really know what tomorrow holds. That might be you. Or we might be at the bottom, maybe we've fallen down a couple of steps and actually we're a bit bruised and battered and we're like, someone needs to help us up here. Or fourth one, we're outside the door, we've not been in yet, and God's beckoning us in and saying, come home. So eight very simple things which I think God's saying around how to nurture and grow confident faith. The world's smallest Bible, so bear with me. So the first one I've got is is simple, and I've I've kind of got into the habit of doing this over the years, and it's praying, Lord, increase my faith. It's very simple, and I've taken it from Scripture, right? So in in the Bible, in the Gospel of Luke, so there's four Gospels, which are basically Jesus' life. It's the disciples and him doing life in a crazy way, right? And chapter um, 17, verse 5 says this, the apostles or, or the disciples said to the Lord, show us how to increase our faith. Show us how to increase our faith. And uh, I want to give a bit of context to, to that. So just in that gospel alone in that one book of the bible this is the stuff that those disciples would have seen previously in luke 9 jesus almost sends them out basically so he says so says jesus brings together his 12 disciples gives them power and authority to cast out all demons heal all diseases and he sent them out to tell everyone about the kingdom of god to heal the sick so that's kind of like your initiation you can be sent out with that mandate And then they see the following things. They see 5,000 people fed with five loaves of bread and two fishes and nobody goes hungry. They see a boy healed. They see power and authority given to even more people that they meet. They see an unclean spirit removed. They see multiple people with demons in them leave and healed. They see a centurion healed. And then they see someone raised from the dead. Jesus literally goes up to so and tell them to get up and up they get. So all these things happen in that one book. And then the disciples come before the Lord and say, increase our faith, Lord. I mean, I haven't scratched the surface that they had. I haven't seen even 5% of that. But if it's good enough for them, it's good enough for me. So sometimes faith looks like waking up on a Monday and going, Lord, increase my faith today. Whatever I've seen before, I want to see more. And that takes me on to the second one, which is, who are we surrounding ourselves in? So I've got this theory, the disciples, right? So they've seen all that stuff and they want more. Why is that? And I think it's because faith attracts faith, right? When you're around it, you're hungry for it. When you're not around it, you don't want it. That's basically faith. So my question is, who are you surrounding yourselves in? Maybe it's a small group. Maybe it's people you track with one-to-one. But God wants to put people around you that bring out the faith in you. And it's important. And the third, so the third one, sometimes faith just looks like turning up. It looks like turning up. And and as um, Mike Pilavacci, the 
sole survivor leader of the church down in uh, Watford says, faith is sometimes just plodding on. That's, that's faith, right? Sometimes it's just doing what you're supposed to do. It's, it's, it doesn't need to be something crazy. Sometimes it just means doing what you're called to do and doing it well. That's basically it. So, so I just wanted to draw back to Hebrews 17. So in Hebrews 17, or Hebrews 11, sorry. Hebrews 11, we started with that, that verse that faith is confidence in, in what we hope for, even if we haven't seen it, right? And it goes on to present these testimonies of sort of legends of faith. So it's all these testimonies of situations where somebody in the Bible has done something and then they're being commended for it. It could be people like Noah who built a big ark who you've probably read about or um, heard about in, in popular culture. But there is one uh, which I wanted to read out. And it's this. It was by faith that Moses' parents hid him for three months when he was born. Now that one struck me because there's, they, Mo, Herod put out the decree to, to kill all the male children, basically. So they've, so they've decided to hide their child for three months. And then what they did further to that, is you might have seen it in culture again, is they put in a Moses basket and sent, it off down, sent him off down the, down the Nile to safety. They didn't do that particularly because they wanted to probably. I imagine they did it because it was the only option, right? They've got to keep their kids safe. What else can they do? And that still looks like faith. It looks like doing what you have to do and plodding on, even when it feels hard. I just actually, I just wanted to read one more. I read one this morning, and it's not about faith, but it struck me. Um, where is it? It said, it's by faith that Enoch was taken to heaven without dying. He, he disappeared because God took him. For before he was taken, he was known as a person who pleased God. And it is impossible to please God without faith. Anyone who wants to come to him must believe that God exists and that he rewards those who sincerely seek him. And that's kind of getting back to the thing of you need to have the knowledge and belief in the first place. But it's that bit at the end, sincerely seek him. Do you sincerely seek God? Oh, I don't know if I do every day. I've never kind of, I've, I've seek him, yeah, but sincerely seek him. Uh, feels, feels hard, just something to think about. So the fourth one. We may not see everything in our lifetime. Staying in Hebrews, so there's two verses in here which speak to that. Verse 13. All these people died still believing what God had promised them. They did not receive what was promised, but they saw it from a distance and they welcomed it. And you know, there's, an, there's a story in, in this chapter about Sarah, who was Abraham's wife, who was barren, right? And she was... She was promised a child. Abram was promised that the, the nation of Israel would come out of, come out of that, and they were incredibly old. But eventually, that promise came true. She had a child. Israel was formed. She never saw that in her lifetime. She never saw Israel. She never saw the, the promise being fulfilled in its in its fullness. 
but I'm sure she welcomed it from a distance. And that's, that's the thing. Sometimes we have to go that right that, yeah, we all have things that we hope for that we haven't seen yet, right? It might be we hope for a better job. We hope for, for God to impact this person. We hope for uh, this body part to be healed. All these things, right? Sometimes we don't always get to see everything that God promises us. And it's not our right to do that. When we welcome it from a distance, it gives that freedom and freedom to trust him more. Fifth one, and the rest a bit quicker, I promise. Names of God. St. Peter's Church in town, where uh, OH2 currently meets, there's a prayer room underneath, and there's a big wall with all the names of God on it, or at least some of them. And often when I'm in that room, I just stand and look at it. Because there's a thing about faith is getting to Jesus. It's, it's that movement towards Jesus. And actually, when you look at all the names of God, it creates faith. And there's this, there's this thing that I sometimes think is that there's always a name of God for every situation or circumstance that you're in. If you just think for a minute, what word would you we do in blood and fire, actually, men's ministry? What word is God speaking to you today that comes to your mind that you're feeling or experiencing? Um, it could be it could be you're feeling lost. Well, he's the good shepherd. It could be that you're uh, feeling like you're burdened or or you're stuck in sin. Well, he's he's forgiveness, he's wholeness. Um, it could be he needs some more life today. We're, we're celebrating new life in a bit. He is the bread of life. He is the water of life. All these names of God that are written across that wall, and you'll find on Google as well. The names of God create faith, and they raise faith. Uh, what's next? Worship. Worship creates faith, right? Worship raises faith. There's that song that I like the most, the new one, um, Awake My Soul. Uh, by Hillsong, and they say, where we hear worship, he hears faith. I like that. Worship creates faith. Simply by worshiping him, faith rises in the room. When we came here today, this room was probably pretty ordinary. But when we worshipped him, it became extraordinary. It just changed. Things shift when we worship, and faith rises. And the word of God is the next one, and that's a simple one, really. I mean, if you can't, if you don't have knowledge, then how can you believe? If you don't believe, then how can you have faith? It's all in here. That's it. And then the last one, embracing fear. I was thinking about, because God speaks to me, right, in words and pictures of people. We call that prophecy in church, and... And often when he's speaking to me for someone, I get a bit uncomfortable. Like there's something in my stomach that's... Uh, something that doesn't feel right. My toes are tapping. I might go a bit sweaty, so don't sit next to me in a service. But ultimately, I've kind of come across, come to the point, really, where I've realized that that, that is probably fear. And every time that I've pushed through and given that prophetic word to someone... It's gone. And it's almost like fear is sometimes that precursor for faith. And actually, when you notice that, pushing through that is where you get to faith. Um, We're going to be baptizing people. And 
when I got baptised, my stomach was, was churning like anything. Um, and I actually turned it down a couple of times, despite my stomach churning. And I think you, over time you get to discern what that is. But for me, faith looks like pushing through it and saying no to it. And when we do that, crazy things happen. So I'm going to um, I'm going to invite you to stand up, if you will. We're going to I'm going to come into land. So if you if you want to close your eyes with me, we're just going to do something simple. Um, I'm just going to invite you to sort of picture that staircase, that one that was on the screen, and just start to imagine. W- where are you on that today? Where are you on that today? Are you at the bottom, bruised, on your on your backside, saying, God, I need I need someone to come and help me get up? Are you in the middle and you're saying, Oh, I don't know what's next. Tomorrow I don't know what it holds. I don't know if to pick discouragement or faith. You may be at the top and actually you've got your eyes on Jesus, but you want more. And you're praying, Lord, increase my faith. Or you're outside and you're saying, I don't know if I want to go in the door. I don't even know if I want to take the first step. And God's just saying, come in. Come in. The door's been open for years. It always is.